Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. I'm telling you, it's Friday the 13th. Combine that with that song. Am I wrong to feel like uh, we're getting a little creepy? Just saying. Every time I hear that music, I think conspiracy theories. Welcome back to the Art Bell Show. Uh, Bob Condota, Seattle Times, covers the Seahawks, does a great job. If you're not reading Condota, you're not up to date with what's going on with the Seahawks. He's joining us now live via satellite. Bob, where are you right now? Um, I'm at a hotel in uh, East Palo Alto, which is where the, uh, the, the Seahawks are staying for this one. So, um, yeah, we all, um, everybody just sort of flew down this afternoon to get, to get down here for the game tomorrow afternoon. Give us an idea. Uh, you know, my parents live in the Bay Area. They've been talking a lot about the weather. What's the current state of things? As you land, you look around, you see the roads, you see the skies. What does it look like to you? Yeah, um, yeah the, the approach was a little rocky, um, so there's definitely some stuff going up in the sky. Uh, going on up there. Uh, it's not bad at the moment at all. It's not raining um, right now, and uh, the roads were clear and stuff coming coming in. But it's supposed to be a lot worse tomorrow. That's sort of what the, the kind of the word's been all along. Is that every forecast you see is basically a hundred percent chance of rain tomorrow, and, and with the, the potential of some thunder showers and stuff like that. So the Seahawks definitely were preparing for that. They they, they took the sort of rare step of practicing outside yesterday. Um, yesterday, you know, with it being a Saturday game, yesterday was sort of their usual Friday. And usually on Friday they go indoors because it's kind of a little bit of a lighter workout and all that being two days before the game. Um, but yesterday they wanted to get used to the conditions and have the guys throwing and throwing and catching and stuff like that in the rain. And it was raining pretty hard in Seattle yesterday. So uh, they went and went outside and practiced in the rain yesterday. Give us an idea how you think the, uh, potential bad weather can impact uh, both sides of the ball in this game. Well, it's funny, I, you know, I guess you always feel like it maybe evens things out. You know, that's certainly the hopeful standpoint or the hopeful take from Seahawks, from the Seahawks side anyway, is that maybe it, you know, makes everybody slower and so that, you know, if it kind of evens things out, um, you know, if the faster team or whatever, which maybe you think the 49ers are with some of their skill guys with uh, Debo and McCaffrey and stuff like that, maybe it helps. But the 49ers have been running the ball really well, you know, the last five or six games, especially, you know, obviously since they got McCaffrey, but, you know, they've really sort of found that since they went to Purdy. If you look at their rushing numbers, they've really kind of committed to that, and, and they've run it really well. You know, they have a really good offensive line. Obviously, Trent Williams, you know, is one of the best offensive linemen in the game. So I don't know how much it helps the Seahawks necessarily if it rains a lot because I think the 49ers can adjust to that as well. But, um, you know, that's maybe the hope is that you know, it just makes it harder to throw the ball. And, um, you know, it, the other hope, maybe if you're the Seahawks, is just some goofy things happen. You know, it, it, the ball slips through somebody's hands and you get an interception or, so, or something like that. You know, obviously that, that can happen on the other side as well. So, you know, that's always Pete Carroll's take on this stuff. Having been around him for long enough now, he's always just like all this stuff is, you know, impacts everybody equally, that the weather's bad for both teams. But, you know, if you're the Seahawks, maybe that's what you hope, is that if it makes it more of a sloppy, muddy game, maybe, maybe some weird things happen and enough weird things happen to help you out. Bob, you know, I watched the Seahawks advance, and we all saw the Lions beat the Packers. And Is there a chance Seattle's just happy to be in the playoffs? Has that been addressed? 
Um, certainly there's, yeah, I, you know, it, it's interesting to say that because they, they've certainly sort of embraced the whole we have nothing to lose aspect of it, which is which is different. You know, for all the times I've covered, all the years I've covered the Seahawks, that's really never been the case that they've been the team that sort of, uh, they did have that peach first year. I wasn't covering the team then actually, but obviously peach first year in 2010, they had that a little bit, you know, because they stuck in as a 7-9 division win. You know, so there was sort of that thought of, well, they'll be expected to do anything. And when they had to play the, you know, the defending Super Bowl champion Saints, and it, that kind of all worked out in their favor. Um, you know, this is obviously a real different team. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of it's interesting when you look at their roster, and I think there's only 21 guys on their 53-man roster who've even played a playoff game before. And as a franchise, it's only been two years since they played one, but that sort of speaks to the, the rapid turnover they've had as a franchise and, you know, getting rid of guys like, uh, you know, K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson takes an awful lot of playoff experience out of there. So, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if, it, if it's a danger per se to say they're just happy to be there, but it is just they've got a lot of young guys and a lot of inexperienced guys who haven't been to playoffs, including some of their older guys like Geno Smith. Never, you know, he's never started. He's never been to playoff game before, let alone start one. Um, you know, even a guy like Al Woods, he's kind of the you know one of the veteran guys on the defense, but sort of oddly, he's never played a playoff game. Um, just kind of the way his career has evolved. You know, Shelby Harris has never played in one either. Uh, you know, who came over from Denver, they, you know, uh, Noah, Noah Fan, the guys who came over from Denver never played one while they were there. So it's just going to be a new ex- a new experience for a lot of guys. And obviously you're going up against a 49er team that, you know, played um, played a couple of playoff games last year. And, uh, you know, and for the guys who've been with the 49ers for three or four years, have obviously been around, you know, a lot of big games. So th- that is going to be an interesting dynamic to watch for sure. Bob Condota, Seattle Times, with us. Uh, what do the Seahawks need from Geno Smith? Um, they really need him to not make mistakes. You know, that's sort of been – that was what he was really good at the first eight or nine games was he, he, he wasn't putting the ball up for grabs too much. If you recall, even some of the interceptions he had early were a little bit flukish, you know, tips or whatever. Um, but the last four or five games, he's just, you know, and he's, he's admitted this, he's just sort of made some legitimately bad passes, you know, and last, last week, both the interceptions he threw were legitimate, you know, interceptions that he threw. They, you know, there wasn't anything kooky about them. They, they both went to, uh, Jalen Ramsey, who's obviously a really good player, but that's sort of the thing, you know, if you throw the ball kind of, kind of in traffic with a guy like that around, that, that, that's what can happen. And anybody who watched the game knows there could have been a pick six as well. Quentin Lewis just, uh, you know, dropped it, the, the Ram safety just sort of dropped the pass that maybe would have been a pick six if he hangs onto that. And that was just thrown right to him also. So, um, you know, that's really what they needed not to do. And that's, you know, that was, if you recall, that was part of, you know, one of the big reasons he got the job. I, you know, I, I don't think it was the only one at all. Uh, you know, I think they saw some things behind the scenes that maybe we didn't see that sort of came to fruition. But one of the b- biggest things was he had done a really good job in the preseason, um, in training camp and the games themselves, of taking care of the ball, not turning it over. And that was, you know, I think Pete felt like it all had to start there, that we need a quarterback who's not going to make the big mistake. And, you know, Geno's made a few more of those the last few weeks. So, you know, I, I would kind of just start with that. Um, you know, they, 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 the danger there in trying to just take care of the balls and, you know, maybe you're doing nothing but checking down and, you know, you're throwing four-yard passes all game. You're not really going to win it win a game against the 49ers doing that either. So there's got to be that fine line. But they really, early in the game, they need to not give the 49ers anything um, easy. Bob Condota is with us, uh, covers the Seahawks for the Seattle Times. This is going to be the third meeting this year between these teams. Advantage, disadvantage, non-factor in your mind? I don't think it's a huge factor. I, you know, I wrote a little story this week, kind of look at the history of you know the three you know, you know, teams who swept and stuff like that. And, and you know, the, the sweeping, the team that had swept, um, 
you know, I think is 14 and 10 in the, in the times they've met since, uh, since 1970. Um, you know, so I, it kind of just turns out maybe that the team that is swept often is just the best team and they just kind of keep winning. You know, it, it's sort of like it's hard to beat a team three times, but if you've already beaten that team twice, it's a lot easier to be, uh, to beat a team three times. Um, certainly there's just kind of that inherent familiarity though. You know, they played each other a lot through the years and, um, you know, they did just play each other, you know, on December 15th. So this will be the first time a team has played Brock Purdy for the second time. And so who knows if the Seahawks will see anything in that that, that, that helps them. Uh, you know, I think everybody's sort of been surprised by how well Jeff Brock Purdy's played. And here's a team that at least has. Talking to Bob Kondota. Yeah. So, Go ahead, Bob. Go ahead, oh, Bob. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was rambling. But and was just going to say, you know, the Seahawks haven't played uh, the 49ers when they've had all of Debo, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle because McCaffrey wasn't there the first game, Debo wasn't there the second game. Um, you know, so it's kind of hard to read a, that much. But it, it's kind of hard to know what to read into how they played before. But certainly, you know, I don't think there's going to be a lot of surprises between, between the two teams. Bob, it, it's, you know, Pete Carroll this season, Russell Wilson gone. It just feels to me like the Seahawks are playing with house money. It, you know, can you give like the 20,000 foot view or maybe the insider view of the Wilson trade and the Seahawks still getting themselves into the playoffs? Like how good does that feel for this, this franchise? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, you know, I, I think no matter what happens, you know, as long as maybe it's not 60 to <laughs> 60 to seven or something, um, you know, I, I think it's a successful season um, having done what they've done and gotten to the playoffs getting, you know, the fifth pick from Denver, you know, I, nobody thought that they'd get a pick that high. I think if you thought, you, you thought the highest of the two first round picks they were going to have would be Seattle's and, and, uh, um, and not be Denver's. And it's sort of like they're ending up with the two picks everybody thought they might get, but it's just flipped in terms of how they're getting them, you know, getting the fifth from Denver and getting, you know, the, the 20th or so, uh, depending on where it's, it turns out, um, from Seattle. But getting five of the top 85 picks or so, which is what they're going to have, um, a lot of cap space, you know, Russell's dead money hit comes off after this year. They were still paying him, you know, in terms of salary cap money, 26 million this year, but not having that, they're going to have a, a ton of, I think right now they have the seventh most cap space for 2023 plus having as much draft capital as any, any team in the NFL. They're going to have a lot of, a lot of ammo to go out there and make a lot of big moves this offseason if they want. Um, obviously they got to, you know, what they got to figure out first is what to do with Geno Smith and whether they're going to pay him a lot of money and commit to him as their quarterback or, you know, maybe decide with that fifth pick they can they can do something with that or, or trade up or whatever. But if they decide they want to do something um, with a uh, with the college, you know, go, go draft a guy, uh, it's, it's going to start there. But once they make that decision, they're going to have a lot of flexibility, a lot of cap space, a lot of money to spend to go fix, uh, to fill a lot of the other holes on this team. So I think from that standpoint, you got to really like it. You know, a, a team that won nine games this year and will have a, that ability to make themselves a lot better in the offseason, I think they're in a lot better spot right now than a lot of people thought they would be. You've got a big kickoff tomorrow, one thirty on Fox. Uh, but on Geno Smith, it kind of feels to me like, you know, we saw enough of him to know that, you know, he feels like a placeholder to me. It, how do you read it? Do you, Would you be surprised if they said, you know, hey, Geno, we're giving you a multi-year contract. You're our guy. We're building around you. We're going we're gonna to draft defensive players and get back to what we do well. Or do you think they need to go get a quarterback? Um, I, I can see them doing a little bit of both. Uh, you know, if you can give Gino a two- or three-year contract, maybe a two-year contract with that third year really has no guaranteed money in it. Um, you know, it's kind of team option kind of stuff. Um, and then go still draft a quarterback. I, 
you know, I think a month ago, everybody thought, well, the Seahawks don't need to send that first pick on a quarterback because Geno had for sure proven he could be the guy. But I still think just, you know, John Snyder comes from that kind of Green Bay philosophy of you can never have enough quarterbacks, you know, that yeah. he was there when they drafted, you know, Rodgers behind Favre and, and um, you know, in the 90s, we're drafting guys like Mark Brunel and stuff like that uh, when they didn't necessarily need quarterbacks, but they just were always drafting quarterbacks all the time just to kind of have young guys to groom and and even just develop as, you know, kind of have as assets to do something with, even if you, if your own team wasn't going to need them. So I, I think, I still think it's going to be really tempting for them to have, you know, I, I'm sure from their standpoint, they're going to assume that it's going to, they're not going to have the fifth pick next year. You know, Denver will probably be, uh, I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to have Denver's, they're not going to have Denver's pick, obviously, but they're going to assume that they're going to be good enough that they're not going to have that high of a pick. So this will be a rare time that they can have that this high of a pick to go do something with a quarterback with. So I, I still will not be surprised at all. But I, you know, I think you could do both. You know, you could you could be like what Green Bay did, where you draft Jordan Love and you still have Aaron Rodgers around. Um, you know, and you just kind of sell it to Geno Smith as, hey, you know, the, the NFL's, you know, this is a big boy league and there's a lot of competition and. You're our guy for now, but we're going to drop somebody else as well and try to make this position the best it can be for the long term. Yeah, I think the Niners are a good example of that. I mean, they're on number three here and uh, probably feeling good about the depth they kept out of training camp. Uh, Bob, I have a great game. I appreciate you jumping on with us, and uh, stay safe out there. Yeah, all right. Thanks a lot, John. Yep, anytime. There he is, Bob Condota, Seattle Times. Anna's popping into the studio. I want to know what your peeve is. Start lining up. Get it off your chest. 503-417-7575. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.